So I wanted to start by reading a story. Sean asked me to, to do something as if it were. He said, what would be your last message? If you had one message in you, if you had one message that you wanted to deliver, what would that be? Let me begin with the story. Larry or Harry. Larry and Harry, two homeless men, were given a chance to travel to a third world country on an all-expenses-paid trip. They were told to carry nothing and return with nothing. They were to make sure that they spent all that was given to them and provision had been made for their expenses and welfare which you'd get upon when they arrived at their destination. The only caveat was that neither of them knew when they would be asked to return. As they arrived, they were both given a huge sum of money and a credit card, no one of those lovely stretchy ones, right, with no limits, but reminded to spend it all before returning to their home country. At this, they became instantly wealthy by local standards. Harry. Harry thought to himself, well, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm going to live like a king, right? I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm going to live life to the full. So he went, and guys, as you do, he went and rented a Ferrari, rented the best room in the best hotel in town. He went to the best stylist, shaved and transformed his looks. And he had parties every day. Everyone in the city thought that the cars and the wealth were his, so of course they loved him all the more. But at the back of his mind, Harry knew that he would go home someday and he would have to leave it all behind. But he decided to put that to the back of his mind and just enjoy life to the full. The main thing was, have a good time, for tomorrow we don't know what's going to happen. Larry. Larry, on the other hand, rented a small Honda to get around town and he stayed in a very modest hotel. He thought to himself, this money won't last and I don't know when I'm going to have to go back, so I want to do something tangible. I want to make a difference with this time. He decided to use it to change people's lives while he still had time. So he got busy, went out in the streets and started making a difference. He didn't just give away money though, he tried to help people to be self-sufficient. He paid off some school fees of some promising young ones to enable them to get an education and take care of themselves and their family. He found some responsible adults and funded them in a business that would guarantee they could look after their family and also give some small employment. He devised a means of helping some of the homeless people get off the street and get it by getting a trade. Because he thought, I wish someone would do that when I return to the streets. In short, while Larry was there, he was busy changing lives. Then just after two months, suddenly, they were notified, time to go home. They hadn't even finished spending all the money, but still they had to leave. And the boat said their goodbyes and headed to the airport. At the airport, they were given their original clothes to put back on before boarding the plane back home. Harry. Harry reminisced on the good times that he had, but wasn't too happy that he was going back to his old life. How would he readjust? Larry. Larry, on the other hand, felt good. He came with nothing, and he's leaving with nothing. But he at least helped others with a chance at life, and that alone meant the world to him. Readjusting as a homeless person wouldn't be that difficult, for he always had it in mind of returning to that lifestyle. But little did he know that each moment that spent on vacation was being secretly recorded 
and they would be rewarded accordingly. And the question is, of course, which one do you think would be cast out into the slums of the homeless person? And which one would be entrusted with large sums of wealth, position, and authority? And the same thing goes for us here on this earth. We are sent on a mission and will return empty-handed, except for the recordings of the dealings that we had on this earth. Yet many of us walk around thinking that the wealth that is ours and we're going to keep it forever. We look at ourselves in the mirror and think that what we see will always be there, forgetting that we're wearing a temporary cloth, a human body that will be required of us before we leave this earth. Our vacation on earth is but a short while in eternity which lasts forever. How we spend this vacation determines how we will spend eternity. So, personal question this morning. How do you want to live your life? Harry or Mary? So today's message is titled, Reignite Our Passion for People. Our Passion for People. There's only one thing that we can bring to heaven with us, and that's people. That's it. We can't bring things. Now, do we need to live and make a living and have a roof and some heating in Ireland? You bet we do. Do we need to take care of our family? Yes, we, we need to take care of all of those normal, natural things. But we must have focus. Why are we here? You know, when, I, when I went to Bible questions or Bible college, I used to ask some very basic questions. And, and I used to ask questions of myself, even sometimes I didn't ask the teachers. And one of the questions was asked, Lord, when I came to know you, why didn't you kill me and take me home? Now, when I say that, why didn't you close my eyes and I end up in heaven? So it's not that word, kill. It's a good question. And some lectures and, and commentaries and everything would say, well, you're left in this earth to become more holy. But when I read my Bible, it tells me that when I go to heaven, I will be made perfectly holy. So surely that can't be it. While you're on a training course, life is a training course for heaven. I don't think that's true either because I hope heaven is an awful lot better than earth. <laughs> is that right? Because that's why we call it heaven. And I discovered that we're left on this earth to make a difference. And that's what I want to unfold. What is our aim? What's our goal? What's our mission? What is our purpose on this earth? And we have a purpose. And I want to read for you one of my favorite scriptures, certainly that stirs my heart. 2 Corinthians 5.13, it says, If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we were in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels me, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So that, 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 that word compels, Christ's love compels compels me. So one of the questions this morning is, are you compelled? And this is what I want to give you permission. It's okay if you're not. It's okay if you're not compelled. So I'm in Bible college, my second year, and I'm doing a paper uh, on my great-great-grandfather, William Booth. Sorry, I'm in the wrong country. If in America, I might get away with that, but you're patty, you won't suck that one. 
Well, it was a paper in William Booth, who's not my great-great-uncle. And you know what I realized? I really don't care that deeply about my neighbor. I'm not compelled about my neighbor. I mean, I like him. Get on with him. They're grand. I'll even put his bin out if he forgets. But my heart was never broken for my neighbor. And I said a really, really dangerous prayer. I said, Lord, would you give me a heart like William Booth? Would you begin to break my heart that I would be compelled, compelled? And God began to do something in my life. I began to focus and realize, this is why you left me on this earth. And I like nice things. I, li I love life. I enjoy life. I enjoy family. So it's not about not doing that. But it's about what is the main central focus of my life? What is the main theme of my life and our lives? And I'm speaking about us, the royal we. Not, not what we've invented, the people who go into ministry, the anointed man or woman of God. That's totally unbiblical and nothing to do with the Bible, nothing to do with New Testament believers. We are called the body of ministries. In fact, I'm looking at the pastors of open arms right here. You're the pastors. I'm a pastor, and my role is to equip the saints for works of service. But in your sphere of influence, how much influence have I in your sphere of influence? Very little. Very, very little. Where you work, how many of your colleagues know me and hear my voice every day? How many of your colleagues, neighbors, friends, relations, look at my life every single day? How about zero? <laughs> but to see you every day. You are their pastors. You. You're their pastors. Good to see you, pastor. Good to see you. You were called, you were anointed, and you're gifted to be the pastors within your sphere of influence, wherever that is. So 2 Corinthians and the Amplified says this, For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us, because we are of the opinion and convinced that if one died for all, then all died. Going on, it says, If I acted crazy, I did it for God. If I acted over serious, I did it for you. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love is the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone on the same boat. He included everyone in this debt so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. So we are, we say that we, we started life again. For me, 30 years ago, my old life of PJ Boot in a sense, ceased, and it started a new life with a new page. What I couldn't do before, I probably couldn't do again, but this time I've been given the Spirit of God. I've been given the resources of heaven. I've been forgiven. I've been called, equipped, anointed. It's as if I started life all over again. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's as if your life starts all over again. Do we have to deal with our past? Yes. What's our past? What do we say? 
My past may not determine my future, but boy, does it explain how I got here, right? So we, we've got to live with our past. We've got to deal with our past. We've got to bring it with us and incorporate it into our lives, but it need not determine my future. We need not determine. Should we, so we must not live life for ourselves. The NIV verse 15 says, And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them who was raised again to life. What did we see last week at baptism? We baptism here, and I don't know, I forget how many people, I was there 17 or 15, whatever. There was another load that was over 30 altogether in open arms, both locations. And what, what did we say? We kept saying baptism is like a picture or a photograph of something that has happened inside. So what happened is PJ, you know, you can put your own name there, was independent on my own, Lord of my own life and my own sphere. And when I came to know Jesus, I died in Christ. And when I was at that place of death, he washed me, cleansed me, filled me, renewed me, filled me with his Holy Spirit. And as we spring up out of the waters, a picture that I started life over again. Who owns my life? Because we say Jesus is Lord of my life. So my life doesn't belong to myself anymore. Do I enjoy and enjoy the favor of life? Of course we do. Yes, enjoy life, have crack, have fun. But have our eye on who owns our lives, who's called our lives, and the purpose of our lives. It's getting that tension and that balanced. Verse 20 goes on, it says, We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on God's, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This word ambassador, the noun says, an accredited diplomat sent by a state as his permanent representative in a foreign country. This is not our home. This is not our eternal home. I love Ireland. I love to see Ireland lash the teams of it. Is that right? We won the triple crown. We didn't get the best yet, but we did very, very well. I love that. I love being Irish. I love being a paddy. Incident, I just got, I got my DNA because Sean wanted me to get my DNA, sent it off to the States, do it all, because I said, uh, I'm sure there's something of a Latino. There's something going on in the bloodstream there. So I got my result back, 95.5% paddy. 1.5% English. So I said, okay, I'll live with that. So I'm a paddy. That's who I am. But this is not my eternal home. This is not my eternal dwelling. This is not where I'm going to spend eternity. So I belong to another land, the kingdom of God. And I am his ambassador. And listen to this. This is really important. We've got 30 different nationalities here. We are brothers and sisters. When you cut this, what happens? The blood flows all the way back the cross. We are brothers and sisters. We are blood relatives. Regardless of your color, your gender, your socioeconomic position, regardless of where you were birthed, God has brought you here and we represent the kingdom of God. God has planted you in schools and universities and places of work in the marketplace, on the playing field. You are the ambassadors. You are his ambassadors. You have been brought here as missionaries. 
We are missionaries in a foreign land. Can you hear that this morning? We are united as one family. We are united as one body. We are one. I might speak with a funny accent, but I'm still your brother. Right? I may be a patty, 95.5%, but we're still brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are his representatives. We've heard a lot lately, you hear about Russia and all the stuff going on. And one of the, the questions was to remove the Russian ambassador because he was doing his job. Whether we agree or disagree, whether he's got a neck like a jockey's, whatever he has, God bless his little heart, right? He represented his president. Whether we agree or disagree, we are supposed to represent our Lord, our God, our Savior. Can you hear that? And why don't we? And here's one of the reasons. Let me run on to this quickly. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Who's the God of this age? He's talking about the devil, Satan, the satanic. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in the hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We have an enemy. And the enemy has blinded all your relatives, all your friends. That's what he's done. Anyone ever, you ever share or invite someone to church and they look at you? Are, are, you, are, you, a, are, are you from Mars? <laughs> are you weird? Do you ever tell someone the story and say, that's nice? And you wonder why. Because the enemy has blinded them. So part of our role as well is to pray, is to bind and loose, is to, is to build a relationship with them that we don't put up barriers, religious barriers, that we don't become religious freaks that puts up more barriers and say, here's that weirdo again. But we live out, out an ambassador of the kingdom of God that's got to do with love and grace and kindness and mercy and peace and patience. People who watch in work when something goes wrong, are you the one who kicks the computer? Are you the one who curses? Are you the one who takes, comes in late and goes out early? Are you, how, how do we live our lives? They're watching us. They're watching us. And when we live out our Christian life, the barriers are breaking down and we're praying for them and we're binding and we're loosening that they might hear something of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's part of our role. That is part of our role. That's part of what God has called us to be. So continue to pray. Billy Graham died of natural causes in 2018. He was, 100, he was 99 years old, just short of the 100. Imagine. And this was a post posted by his daughter, Ruth Graham. So these past weeks, I've sensed a crowd gathering at Heaven's Gate in anticipation of my father's funeral. What excitement and eager anticipation on both sides. As the book title says, heaven is for real. And for those who have put their faith in Jesus as their Savior, heaven is where we will spend eternity. My father is there. My youngest daughter said she'd love to be a fly on the wall when her daddy Bill meets Jesus. You know, I thought about that. But I doubt if it was really any different. Because my dad walked with Jesus for so many years. I imagined they hugged deeply as Jesus whispered, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. It was a brother greeting a brother, a father welcoming his son. The familiarity had long ago been established. And no doubt, it was a battle-scarred warrior returning from the front to lay his victory at the feet of the king amid great celebration. The warrior claims an honor for himself, but gives it all to his king. Many have commented on my father's great humility, and it was because he understood his mission. It was not to amass the world's acclaim or admiration or fame. It was not to gain wealth, for that was one of his fears. It was to do his Lord's bidding. It was not to build a kingdom, but the kingdom, the kingdom of God. So many have commented to me that my father's reward will be huge in heaven, and no doubt it will be, but perhaps not as we would reward. For the vast crowds that came to hear him preach or the thousands who responded to the invitation to receive Christ, God doesn't see things as we do. God rewards faithfulness, not numbers. And my father will be rewarded for his faithfulness, just as a fireman who showed up day after day, or the nurse, or the teacher, or the person who cleans the toilets. No matter what our task, when we do it as unto the Lord, faithfully, day after day, whether we feel like it or not, God sees and God will reward us. People have speculated about my father's wealth and imagined a fortune. Things didn't interest my father. He was able to live comfortably, but simple for a man of his stature. Though some would consider him a celebrity, he considered himself a simple farm boy from North Carolina. His tastes were simple. He loved hot dogs and beans out of a can. <laughs> he was easy to please. After my mother died, we went to the house to begin the process of sorting things out. We went room to room. And when we got to my father's room, there was very little of value. Only sentiment, books, photos, childish drawings from great-grandchildren. Not much of worldly value. My sister Anne looked around the room slowly and said, A man of God values little the things of the world. My father was a man of God. But now he has entered the presence of the one he serves. We rejoice that he fought a good fight. He finished his course. He kept the faith. And there awaits for him a crown of righteousness. We will miss him. Most of us have not known a world without him. But in a world bereft of courageous, true, honorable men, he was one. And I am blessed to call him Dad. So folks, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live like Harry, who just lived for the present and forgot about his mission. I want to be like Larry and Billy Graham. How about you? What is your focus? What is your aim? Want to live in such a manner, even in our brokenness. And, and, and can I tell you, people are not impressed by our successes as much as they're impressed by our brokenness. You want me to get it wrong? And you mess up. And you keep coming back. Share that with your friends and neighbors. Share how much we got it wrong. How incomplete we are. How broken we are. Share that with them. Don't share religion. 
Don't share rubbish with them. Don't share rules and regulations. Never point a finger. We are his ambassadors. His kingdom is based on love. The greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor. Even the tough ones. Even the angry ones. Even the ones who reject. Love them as you love yourself. That's what's going to change this nation. That's what's going to change Dublin. That's going to change your colleagues, your neighbors, when we love people. And to see something of brokenness, but to see the love of Jesus within it. And to see it collapse into his arms. So many people have said, I don't want to fall apart. Why? You think you can hold it together? You can't. He can hold us together. He can pick up the bits and reshape and reform us. That's what he does. So I want to give you an opportunity. We're going to put on five services next Sunday. I've said that to someone. Said, You're not putting on five services next Sunday. So someone asked me recently, Peter, why don't you do the big outreaches? I said, we did. Why don't you get the bus down and the crowd down and the evangelist down? We did. Why don't you bring a team of 200 into America and swarm? We did. Do you know where we saw fruit? We saw the crowd. We didn't see fruit. We had a great time. Good crack. <laughs> great barbecues. Do you know where we see fruit? Sunday morning, sometime between 9 and 2. Year after year, year after year, that's where we see growth. That's where we see salvation. That's where we see discipleship. That's where we see community growth. And we've done all the other big things, and we brought them in and flew them in and flew them out. We saw 1%, 2%. If you come in with your friend, your family, your loved ones, we see 98% growth. Isn't it interesting? Because we are the ambassadors. Not them, it's us. We are the ambassadors that have been planted here. Not them, it's us. You are the pastor of your community. Not them, it's you. Are you with me today? So next Sunday, we've got two services. Two here going on next Sunday, every Sunday. We've got two services in Kildare every Sunday. And at 11 o'clock online every Sunday, we've got church online. So the ones that are a little shy of coming, check us out online. Listen in. Turn on your phone. Turn on your computer. Stay in your jammies. Listen in. Give them an opportunity. Begin to pray for them. Begin to pray that the Lord will take the scales off their eyes that they will see and hear the gospel for the first time. Begin to be that ambassador evangelist that God has called you to be. I'm, people say, I'm not, an I'm not an evangelist either. Just tell people about Jesus. Don't be an evangelist. Take all that off you. People say, I'm not a prayer intercessor. Don't. Just pray for them. Don't be that. See, what we've done is we've put so much stuff on people that we don't know what we are. And then we have the experts, the professionals, 
We've got 500 people in open arms. And if we go that route, we might have a half a dozen. <laughs> I prefer to see 500 people invite their friends than six. Do we want to see Dublin changed? Do you want to see your community changed? Do you want to see a difference being made? You are the ambassador. I am the ambassador in my area. I am the ambassador in my area. And if you said, PJ, I'm not able for this. I can't do this. We've got a choice to make. I remember making a choice years ago, sitting on a couch, messing up, and the enemy saying to us, you're not good enough. You can't do that. You don't have enough education. You don't have enough knowledge. And God did something in me. Because usually I throw half a dozen scriptures at him, and I stop and I said, do you know what? You're right. Flip this for a game of cowboys. You're right. I'm not good enough. I'm not educated enough. I don't have enough knowledge. I have a brutal memory. But in Christ, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He's my calling. He's my anchor. And what happens? You begin to stand up. Right? You begin to be elevated. You begin to walk in victory on bended knee. Do you see, can you see that? You begin to be upright on bended knee. That's, that's, that, that's, that's where the real stuff comes in. So stop sometimes fighting with the enemy. Tell them how wonderful you are. Tell them how wonderful Jesus is. Tell them that in Christ I can do all things. If you've got lack, if you, you might be here sitting with a master's and a doctorate and you think, I'm still not good enough. You could be sitting here, no education, you think, I'm still not good enough. So that won't resolve it for you. But he will resolve it for you. And here's one of the key things. One of the key things that I discovered. In the universe, God is putting this thing called movement. Movement. In the DNA of man, in the makeup of the universe, the stars, the pulse, there's movement going on. The discovered is movement. Constant movement. There's nothing still. And in 1 John, it says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. See the movement? There's a movement. You cannot love God unless you know he loves you first. We need a revelation. We need the Spirit of God to come and give us the faith to believe. But when we receive his love, we return his love. When we receive his love, we return his love to each other, to our community, to people in our sphere of influence. So it's his love in us. So we come along something that I'm not able. No, of course you're not. If you were that good, you wouldn't need a savior. <laughs> Does that take all the pressure off you? That take, that, it takes all the pressure off you. But I'll go to Bible college and I'll memorize 50 scriptures. They're great. Please do that. But that won't change stuff. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's his power and his love in me, coming out of me and flowing out of me. That's, that's, that's the thing that will change it. So you are, I am, we are equipped to be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ where God has planted you. Again, finishing from the Amplified, 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. Worship team is going to come back. 
If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, if you've never asked Him to be Lord of your life, you, you, won't, know, you won't connect with what I'm saying to you. You, you just won't connect. If, if you've never received His love, you cannot love Him in return. And, and you may have come here because of your parents or a friend or whatever else, but unless you have that personal relationship with Him, all of this is nice. <laughs> but it's not life-changing. And I want to give you the scripture that I had a real revelation of many, many years ago. It's in the last book, the book of Revelation, chapter 3, and verse 20. And I want to give it to you in the Irish version, or the NIV, the nearly inspired version. It says this, Behold, today when you come here, or maybe this morning when you wake up, or maybe it was last night, behold, I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking at the door of your heart. I've been knocking. You might be knocking for years, for months, for weeks. And today, if you sense him knocking at the door of your heart, he says, if you open up the door of your heart and invite me in, I will come in and be with you and you with me. He talks about intimacy, fellowship, cleansing, forgiveness. But he, he doesn't kick down doors. He comes by invitation. And what I want to do is extend that invitation. That's what I'm doing. I'm, ex I'm not asking you. I'm extending his invitation to you. So imagine this. When you, when you, when you think of a door, there's a hinge. You know there's a hinge on the door. Imagine that your heart is here and there's a hinge. And as you open up the door of your heart, you're saying, Jesus, will you come into my heart? By one action. And it's important that we take actions. It's important that we do stuff. I remember the day that I raised my hand. I remember the day I opened my heart. I remembered vividly. 22nd, 27th of September, it was 12 noon, Air Square in Galway, 1991. I remember the moment. I remember the time. I remember when I crossed the border into a new kingdom. And what I want to do is give you the opportunity that if you haven't done it, do it now. Don't wait. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait until you're ready. If you, if you sense he's knocking at the door of your heart, I want you to take this opportunity. And this is what I'm going to do. In a couple of moments, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And then I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I want you, I want you to literally get your arm and I want you to lift it. Not in the fresh air. I want you to catch your sand. And as you open up that door of your heart, you're opening it and say, Jesus, will you come in and be with me that I can be with you? And when he comes in, this is what's going to happen. As you invite Jesus into your life, he cleanses you. He takes all of your sin, all of your past. He gives you a new beginning. You start fresh right here, right now. A new beginning. All your past sin is gone. He forgives you. He takes guilt. He takes shame. He fills you with his Holy Spirit, his presence. He writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. All happens instantaneously, just like that. But you have to open up your heart or not. You don't have to do that. You can leave as you are. Or you can leave here with Jesus in your heart, his peace and his forgiveness. 
and eternity in your heart. So right now, I want you to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. And when I count to three, you just raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand where you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else, just raise your hand. Just between you and Jesus, not between you and me. Okay, just put down your hand if you want to pray with me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and that you were raised on the third day. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Take my guilt and my shame. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your Lamb's book and fill me with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord an applause for those people. Yeah.